Welcome to Tales from the Mooseverse for the beginning of our new season. We're glad to have you here. My name is Ian. Chocolate is no more. When the group of friends return to an entirely chocolate earth from the realm of dragons, Montgomery the Moose used his new command of magic to say the fateful words, no more chocolate. But once the group dispersed, it became clear what that meant. No one outside their group remembered the existence of chocolate at all. Montgomery the Moose and Montgomery the Mouse's favorite food has been removed from history and has simply ceased to exist. So how will they fix it? As always, stay tuned after the story for a way you can join in. But now, without further ado, here's today's Tale from the Mooseverse. Dear listener, millions of years ago, 85.6 million years ago, in fact, during the late Cretaceous period, the first Tyrannosaurus Rex appeared. You could read that in any history of paleontology, of course. You might even learn that they evolved from smaller dinosaurs, no larger than the size of a five-year-old child. You might even hear theories that these fearsome creatures evolved over time into the modern chicken. But what you won't learn about are the evolutionary dead ends along the way. Creatures that evolved before the T-Rex on the way to nature finding the final form of the fearsome beast. One in particular, if you saw it, might remind you of a more familiar animal that lives in Australia. This creature hopped and boxed and kept its young in pouches. Or at least, it would have done if it had any young. Since this was the only one of its kind to ever evolve, this creature, this Kanga Rex, led a solitary life. And since nature hadn't yet figured out that only females needed pouches, this Kangarex just used his pouch to keep things in. Usually, things to eat later. The problem, of course, was that his arms, like those of his distant relatives the dragons, were short and stubby. So once he put something in his pouch, it was impossible for him to get it out again. Some of his food had been there for a very long time. But we will get back to that strange creature another time. 85.7 million years ago, in fact. In the meantime, you may not realize that a creature that still lives today evolved a lot earlier than the Tyrannosaurus Rex. A lot earlier. This creature doesn't have a pouch and doesn't hop. This creature has a beak, three hearts, nine brains, blue blood, and eight tentacles. The octopus first appeared 296 million years ago. It has survived through the age of dinosaurs, the ice age, the age of humans, and in all likelihood, the octopus will survive for the next several millions of years also. Why am I telling you about these, dear listener? Well, suffice it to say that the Mooseverse is much larger than you might have realized. So far, our tales have brought us into only a small window of time. But time, of course, is all relative. Because for Phoebe, Tamar, Dorothy, and Michael, 11 years was a lifetime. Yeah, Phoebe replied calmly to her father's overwhelm as the whole family lay down to sleep in the burrow they'd been working on. 
Phoebe and her sister Tamar had grown so much over the 11 years that their father had been stuck in the realm of dragons, so much so that he was only a distant memory for them. But since time moved differently in that strange land, for him, it had only been two weeks. Phoebe looked at the sadness in his eyes as he thought about what he had missed, but she was so happy to have him back that she just smiled back at him and said with a smirk, you owe us a lot of birthday presents. Phoebe, Tamar, Michael, and Dorothy all laughed, and Michael hugged his daughters tightly. She's, uh, not joking, Tamar added, just to make sure. Suddenly, their burrow shook. The ground itself rumbled. What is happening? Phoebe called out. Then they heard a nearby bark. They exchanged glances. Was that Fred? Tamar asked. The family climbed out to see Fred crouched and on guard. Fred, what's happening? Dorothy asked. Something big is coming, he replied, hunched down with a growl and ready to pounce. Roger stood next to Fred, but while raccoons can be fierce creatures, she was also very tired, and when she tried to growl, she instead let out a big yawn. But something big did come. Between the trees ran a somewhat panicked moose with a small mouse on his back. Oh no, oh no, oh no! Montgomery the moose shouted, Bad, 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 bad! What's wrong? The group shouted as one. It's chocolate, Montgomery the mouse replied. Something's got to be done about chocolate. No, we did that, remember? Fred said. Well, you did. That's why I'm just a regular floppy old dog again. No, Montgomery the moose replied. I messed up. Somehow I changed history. Chocolate was never invented. When I said no more chocolate, I got rid of it all. And I can't undo it. This is the worst thing ever. I mean, what's a world without chocolate? Six months later. Montgomery the moose was stuck. Now that his antlers had grown back, he felt more like himself again. But feeling more like himself also meant, well, all the things that used to go with that. In this case, his antlers were caught between some particularly strong branches. Ugh, he pulled. Nothing. Ugh, he pulled again. Nothing. He looked around sheepishly. Um, help? He called quietly at first so as not to disturb anyone, but then again a little louder. Help? He heard some shuffling from the nearby undergrowth behind him. Again? A familiar voice called out to him. I mean, really? Montgomery the Moose couldn't turn, stuck as he was, so he had to wait for his friend to make his way around to the front. But the shuffling noises had let Montgomery know that his friend wasn't alone. As the noises made their way around, Montgomery the Moose could see that Montgomery the Mouse was riding on Roger the Raccoon's back, a familiar sight these days, and one that stirred up feelings of jealousy in the large moose. Just, Roger the Raccoon started, Use the magic, Montgomery the Mouse pleaded. No, Montgomery the Moose snapped, never again. Montgomery, the mouse added gently, the magic chose you for a reason. It's okay to use it. How is it okay to use it? I got rid of the thing we loved the most, and now we can't get it back. I thought, Montgomery the Mouse started, I thought you loved your friends the most. Montgomery the Moose paused. You know what I mean, he replied. Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Montgomery the Mouse answered, but that wasn't your fault. 
How wasn't it my fault? You were both there. You heard what I said. No more chocolate. I got rid of all the chocolate there ever was. How was that not my fault? Well, to be fair, Roger started, no more chocolate could be interpreted lots of ways. I mean, it's pretty vague. So I should have been clearer, Montgomery the Moose shouted. Or maybe magic should have asked you what you meant, Roger replied. Well, it didn't, did it? So unless magic starts talking to me, I guess we're done. Have, Montgomery the Mouse asked hesitantly, have you tried talking to magic? There was a pause. What do you mean? Montgomery the Moose asked. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like you're exactly open to hearing from the magic right now. Maybe try talking to the magic yourself? Let it know how you feel? Montgomery the Moose seemed to consider this for a moment before responding with a humph. He gritted his teeth and growled more. No, he said decidedly. The magic is way more powerful than me. If it wants to talk to me, it can. Montgomery the Mouse sadly shook his head. Come on, Roger, he said dejectedly. Let's leave Montgomery alone. But, Roger started, no, it's okay. He doesn't want us here anyway. They turned to walk away before Montgomery the Mouse tapped Roger's head to stop and they turned to face the moose again. Montgomery, the mouse began, we thought it would be nice to go see Phoebe and Tamar and that whole crew. They've been in Cambridge for a few months now and we want to see how they're getting on. It would be easier if you teleported us there. Montgomery the Moose didn't respond or even look at his friends. Fine. Well, in that case, we'll see you when we get back. Montgomery the Mouse took one last long look at his sullen friend and said, Come on, Roger. Let's go. They walked out of Montgomery the Moose's sightline, which served to remind him that his head was still stuck in position between branches. Once they were out of earshot, he suddenly felt very alone and very angry. He felt his body tense up, full of energy. He just needed to get out. Roar! He shouted and thrashed his body around. The branch which was jammed into his right antler broke first, followed by the branch on his left antler, but he was so angry that he kept jumping and running around. He slammed into one of the trees, resulting in a loud crack, and that only made him want to slam into it more. So he did, over and over, until the trunk shattered into shards, and the tree, which was over 30 feet tall, came crashing down, catching on branches of other trees as it did. Then he turned and faced the other tree that had trapped him. This time, all it took was one run and one crash of his head into the trunk, and the tree gave way, crashing to the ground as if afraid of this beast. Montgomery, too, though, came crashing to the ground in a heap. His anger had left him, taking all his energy. He was exhausted and sad and alone. He took deep breath after deep breath. He closed his eyes. He breathed deeper. He listened to the quiet air around him. The birds had deserted the area when the trees fell, but over the next few minutes, as he lay there silently, they gradually returned, one at a time at first, before reporting to each other what had happened. And then came more. Montgomery kept his eyes closed and allowed himself to be still. He felt the ground below him. He smelled the forest cover, with the freshwater smell of Damariscotta Lake wafting in, passing by the scent of freshly snapped maple on his way to him. He remembered the words of his best friend. Were they still best friends, he wondered? Maybe he had shut out the magic. If he wanted the magic to talk to him, 
Maybe he needed to talk to the magic. He took another deep breath. Then he spoke, almost in a whisper. Why? He paused, but only half expected a response. He didn't get one. Why me? Why did you choose me? Why choose someone who'd mess up so badly that I'd eliminate chocolate from existence entirely and then push my friends away? Why? Why? He felt a gentle breeze pass over his nose. Trying to remain as calm as he had been a minute or so earlier, he kept his eyes closed and took another deep breath. Why? Why me? He whispered again. He heard chirping move through the air and felt a small bird land on his nose. His chirping evolved into words Montgomery could understand. Why isn't a... Ah! Montgomery panicked, opening his eyes and tensing up while still on the ground. But now the creature, a beautiful petite bluebird, had flown away, chirping again in its own language. Montgomery stayed perfectly still, other than his wide eyes darting back and forth as if asking everything around him, Did you see that? Eventually, he calmed down enough to try again. He relaxed, closed his eyes, and settled back down. So, he started, why? A bird landed on his nose again. He couldn't tell if it was the same one. There were a number of them around, but it felt similar. As I was saying, the birds chirping evolved again into language Montgomery could understand, in a voice that Montgomery now realized was amazingly familiar to him, as if it was part of his bones somehow, a voice that was calming, reassuring, and affirming. This time Montgomery decided he should keep his eyes shut and keep still, despite his best instincts. When whatever it was that was on his nose seemed assured that Montgomery wouldn't panic this time, it continued. Why isn't a helpful question. You won't be satisfied with any answer to a why question. What? Why? Montgomery blurted out, opening his eyes. The bird flew away. Montgomery, frustrated but feeling that he was finally getting somewhere, decided to try one more time. But this time he wouldn't ask a why question, he would simply listen. So he did. He closed his eyes, relaxed, and listened to the gentle forest sounds around him until he felt the flutter of wings and a bluebird land on his nose once more. But this time he also heard the flutter of dozens of pairs of wings. And in the moments to come he felt them flutter over his whole body, all eventually landing on him and covering him like a blanket of bluebirds. It felt surprisingly peaceful. The birds chirped, but their chirping coalesced into one voice. As it did so, it spoke, and this time Montgomery instantly recognized the voice. Montgomery, his mother's voice said, where are you? This time he couldn't take it. His eyes darted open and he jumped up. Mom? The bluebirds launched off his body and flew as a group to Montgomery's right. Wait, come back, he shouted. Mom! He ran after them as fast as he could. They flew fast and at one point he thought he'd lost them, but a few of them circled back for him. He realized then that he didn't need to chase them. They were guiding him, taking him somewhere. And then it hit him. They were taking him to his mom. Now he sprinted, not because he needed to catch up to them, but because he couldn't believe this was happening. Could this really be true? He followed the birds through a break in the woods. It all happened so quickly that he didn't realize where he was until he crashed headfirst into something large and metal, a cherry picker, with two men up high. 
They were finally installing the window onto a third-floor corner office that had been out of use for the last six months after a strange incident when the last cherry picker crumpled in mid-use, dropping the window and leaving the two men dangling. This time, when Montgomery's head hit it, the cherry picker wobbled, and the men yelled, Not again! but held on tight. It all seemed to be okay. But then, the group of bluebirds flew up to the top of the cherry picker. Montgomery, recovering from the hit, knew he had to get up there too. It would be the perfect place to see the area around them. He was bound to see his mother from there. But there was no ladder. This machine had an articulated arm. Surely he couldn't climb up that. He briefly considered going into the building and trying the elevator, but he'd heard from Phoebe and Tamar that elevators take forever, so he decided to make the climb. He made it onto the base okay, but the first few steps onto the articulated arm seemed impossible. And then suddenly, they weren't. They were incredibly easy. As easy as thinking about them. Or in fact, as easy as not thinking about them. It was like... magic. The two men stood in shock and horror as this moose made it up to the top of the cherry picker and stepped onto the safety frame around their platform to make its way onto the roof of the building. The frame, with the additional weight of a moose on it, lunged forward, smashing the newly installed window with shards of glass falling into the office and onto the ground below. Oh, come on, said one of the men. We are so getting fired, said the other. Montgomery had made the leap up onto the roof of the building, a flat rocky roof with a stairwell entrance on the far end. The group of bluebirds waited for him to recover from the climb, and he stood up. The bluebirds separated, revealing something amazing, and they flew off as individual bluebirds, as if wondering how they got there. But Montgomery couldn't think about that, because all he could see was what was in front of him, the most beautiful thing he could imagine, the creature he thought about every morning when he woke up and never thought he'd see ever again. Mom! Montgomery, oh my goodness, you found me, she said with tears in her eyes. I came up here to look for you, but you found me. They ran toward each other and touched bowed heads before nuzzling and holding each other as much as Moose can. A gentle breeze passed over them, and this moment of joy, with an up-high view of Damariscotta Lake over the treetops, would stay embedded in Montgomery's memory for the rest of his life. Mom, I can't believe it's really you. Montgomery, I can't believe it's you. You're so grown up. Something about those words made Montgomery tear up. So many times over the years he had wanted to see her, and never more than last fall when he had made the most amazing friends and went on incredible adventures. But now... Mom, he said, his voice shaking. Mom, I messed it all up. I messed everything up. Oh, Montgomery she replied tenderly. You sweet, lovely child. She stood in front of him and placed her head on top of his to snuggle before kissing his forehead. But inside, Montgomery felt that if she knew what he'd done, there's no way she could be so caring. But how could he even explain? No one except for his friends even knew what chocolate was anymore. It was impossible. She stepped back and asked Montgomery to lift his head to look into her eyes. Montgomery, she said, I know how to fix chocolate, but we can't do it alone. We need your friends. To be continued.
Well, I hope you enjoyed the beginning of season four of Tales from the Mooseverse. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts? It helps other people find out about our podcast. And now, of course, we'd love to hear your stories. What happened in the six months after Montgomery said no more chocolate? Where are the other characters? What are Phoebe and Tamar and family up to? As always, we'd love it if you would send us your stories about any of these characters or any others you think would fit in the Mooseverse. You can record a story yourself on audio or video or write it or even send in pictures. We'll include some on our website, mooseverse.com, and we may even include a snippet on future episodes of the podcast. Find out about our upcoming Story Lab online writing classes for kids at mooseverse.com. Mooseverse.com is also where you can sign up for our newsletter, find downloadable coloring pages, and more. As always, we're looking forward to reading your stories. After all, the stories we tell and the stories you tell are all part of the Mooseverse. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.